You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Can you just grab the people around you? It's safe now, don't worry. And say to that person, welcome home. Welcome to the family. Those people who are watching online, welcome to the family. Thank you for joining us. Can I see a raise of hands, please? We want to welcome you. Anybody here who's attending for the first time? If it's your first time, we welcome you. Hi. Welcome to the family. Thank you for being one with us. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Those people who are watching online for the first time as well. Thank you for being one with us. Again, we are the Light of Jesus family. The feast is our gathering. And we have a Catholic faith. Praising, serving, loving the name of Jesus. Amen. Are you ready for our word for today? Are you ready for the word of God speaking to your life? And anybody who comes into Jesus will never be the same again. That's my belief. And you know, I come here every single Sunday. Not for the lights. Not for the sounds. Not for the Poggy Brother Odi. Not for the... You know, not, not because it's aircon, etc. I come here because I seek the name of Jesus. It's my value session every Sunday. It's a... Always come here because of the name of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray our prayer in the feast uh, as we start our second talk of our new series, Special Delivery. And we started that last week. It's powerful, really I kid you not. Lessons and inspiration from the book of Exodus. I want you to be ready for that. I want you to be expectant in your faith today. That Lord, I came here because you're going to bless me. You came, I came here because I know I want to align with your promises for me. And I'm ready to claim them. I'm ready to cooperate with you. Let's pray that. Are you ready? In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you will, stretch out your hands and declare this prayer as a family. Come on. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's Word so I'll become more like Jesus every day. Proclaim it. Today, I proclaim that I am God's beloved. I am God's servant. I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing to the Word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Put your hands to your chest and pray this prayer with me silently. Lord, we come before you with nothingness. We leave everything behind and just focus on your word. We listen to your voice. Speak, we're listening. Speak that our hearts may be whole again. Speak that our lives will be abundant, cooperating with your grace. We love you. We trust in you. We're ready for you. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Give the Lord a big, big hand, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. We're ready for you. Amen. Take your seat. And as you take your seat, say to the person beside you, God will speak to you today. Our preacher for today is Brother Audi Villaraza. Give a big, big hand, please. Everybody say, thank you, Doc Didoy. How is everyone? Are you good? I want you to turn quickly to the neighbor beside you and say, thank you for being here. You know, I love this. Every Sunday we get to be here at the feast because when you think about it, I mean, we can come together in spite of our differences, in spite of our different preferences in life and, and really just embrace one another and accept the fact that the person sitting next to you might not have the same surname, might not have the same blood running through their veins, but you accept them because they're the child of God. And so we praise the Lord that He brings us together. We are under the banner of the name of Jesus. How many of you are blessed today? Give me a shout. I want to give you our big message for today. And if it's okay, like I always say this, I want you to preach this to as many people as you can. Is this okay? So from the front to the back, can you please preach this message? Turn to somebody and say, friend, embrace who you are. Embrace who you are. This is a personal message that I hope will bless you today. But I got a question, quick question. Answer me very honestly, okay? Do you like who you are? Yes. Like, you know, really like who you are? Because I know that there are three types of people. The first type of, 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 the first person is, you know, the one who likes themselves sometimes, but sometimes there are things that they don't like the, them, themselves about. We're all like that. That's, that's the normal person. You know, it's balanced. But there are also other people on the second spectrum People who are just so madly in love with themselves. Yung patay na patay sila sa sarili nila. Love to the max. Yung, yung tipong gusto ko sana mag-absent ngayon sa trabaho. Gusto ko sana mag-absent sa eskwelahan. Kaso, paano naman yung mga taong pumasok para lang makita ako? Yung ganong level na in love na in love. Gwapong gwapo. Bilib na bilib. Gandang ganda sa sarili nila. Yung tipong minsan nakita mo na nagkakagulo sila dun sa, sa, sa isang banda. Taka ka kung ano. Ano meron dito? May commotion. Lapit ka. Nakita mo. Ah, kaya pala kasi nahulog ID ko. <laughs> Dinudubog. <laughs> yung ganong, ganong level. Meron ba kayong kilalang ganon, kaibigan? Yung gandang-ganda, bilib na bilib. Gwapong-gwapo. GGSS. Gandang-ganda sa sarili. Gwapong-gwapo sa sarili. But then on the opposite spectrum, the third type of, of person is the one who doesn't really like themselves. They, they, they see so many things that's wrong with the way they look, the way they talk, the way they dress, the way they are, and they'll always find something to complain about, and they just don't like themselves. Parating merong reklamo, ano ba tong ilong ko, napakalaki, o napaka-flat, pango, o napakalaki ng butas. Parang there's something that you want to complain about every day. Here is the first lesson that I hope you can take home today. Are you listening? Say, I'm listening. Unless 
you fully embrace who you are in God's eyes, you will never be truly happy. You will never be happy if you don't learn how to embrace who you are in God's eyes. That's why, you know, people who are online, hello. But I want you right now, if there's a person in your life, or maybe that's even you, but if it's a friend, a family member, a coworker that you know who, who needs to hear this message about loving who they are in God's eyes, please tag their name right now. Do us a favor and get this message out to somebody who needs the encouragement today. My goal, our goal today is very simple. I want you, as you sit there, as you listen there on the other side of the screen, that as we, 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 we dive into God's message, at the end of this talk, my prayer and my declaration is that you would walk out of this place completely accepting who you are in God's eyes, embracing that and walking in that encouragement. But just a quick recap, okay? Because we do this for the people who weren't here last Sunday. In case you were not there for the opening of our talk, we're in a new series called Special Delivery. Can you say that? Special Delivery. We are studying right now the book of Exodus. It's a beautiful book, and I hope that you can journey with us. And just in case you were not here, we're going to do a quick recap because we're looking out for you. We are in this part in Exodus chapter 2 right now, starting today. Didoy preached it last Sunday, Exodus chapter 1, where he talked about how Genesis ended with Joseph. They experienced, the Israelites experienced prosperity under the leadership of Joseph. But what happened is that over time, people forget. People forgot about Joseph and his family. And then the new Pharaoh was now oppressing the Israelites. And so all of a sudden, they found themselves being oppressed, slaves once again in Egypt. So this is where we find ourselves in the story today, Exodus chapter 2. And you are going to realize this because the Pharaoh now is so, so threatened by the Israelites. Why? Because they were growing in number. They weren't practicing family planning, and so he was so afraid that, that one day they would replace all of Egypt. So you know what he does? He comes up with the decree, and check this out, listen to this. He comes up with the decree that every Hebrew child would be thrown into the Nile River. In other words, lulunurin yung mga bata. Here's a lesson. All throughout history, you will find this, that whenever leaders are insecure, you know what they do? They start bullying people. They start bullying, especially the ones who are weakest. In this case, it's the babies. Do you know any insecure leaders? Maybe you've got one in your company. Maybe you've got one in your organization. Maybe you've got one in your family. Or get this, maybe you've got one that you see every day in the mirror. I cannot be blind to this message. And I got to tell you this, sometimes I'm like that. Sometimes when my pride is hurt, I lash out even with the people who I serve or people that I need to take care of because when leaders are insecure, they're very dangerous. When their pride is threatened, you become irrational and you become unlike Christ. And so what I hope to do today is that I hope that you would walk out of this room completely realizing God's message for you that you don't, you don't become an insecure leader. And we're going to learn today for the first time Somebody that God would use to defeat one of the biggest bullies of his time. This is the guy that God used to deliver a whole nation. And chances are you probably know him already. His name is Moses. How many of you know Moses? Raise your hand. 
We're going to learn about Moses today. So if you have a physical Bible, I want you to join me. In fact, if you've got a highlighter, please walk with me. I'm going to ask you to highlight some very specific verses. And we're going to do this together, okay? So I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 2. I'm going to read the verse to you first. What I'm going to, going to do is we're going to unpack the verses line by line. And then hopefully we learn four messages from this. Are you ready? Say I'm ready. Okay, so let's go to Exodus chapter 2 verse 1. It says here that a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son and she saw that he was a special baby. Can you highlight that part if you have your physical Bible? Special baby. Everybody say special baby. He was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Now, I want to pause here for a moment. I like that part, special baby, because when I was reading that, I was like, why in the world would you have to put that word special to describe the baby? Because after all, aren't all babies special? You don't really have to say it unless, you know, it means like a different kind of special. Can you take a look at the person beside you? Mukhang special child yan. I don't think that's that what, what the author meant when he was writing it. He was really very particular about saying special baby. And I found it particularly even funnier because when you realize who wrote that passage, it's going to be funny to you because Didoy kind of hinted on this last Sunday where he said that the first five books of the Old Testament was called the Pentateuch or Pentateuch. I don't know how it's pronounced. Google it afterwards. It, it, the, the Jews called it the Torah. To them, it was the most authoritative instruction and they followed it up to the last letter of that law. And so they loved it and they followed it. But get this, tradition says that the one who wrote the first five books, namely Genesis, Exodus, uh, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, was written by one person according to the tradition. Ask me who? Moses. Moses. Although some Bible scholars, Bible experts would say that it wasn't exactly Moses, but people who came after, like a thousand years after Moses' time, who compiled this verbal work. But if we follow tradition, think about this, if we follow the tradition belief, that the traditional belief that Moses in fact wrote it, wouldn't it be funny that Moses was writing about himself and then he calls himself special, maybe? Parang was Moses trying to put himself on a pedestal? It reminded me of this fashion designer by the name of Mark Jacobs. By the way, sorry. Here's the first message, okay? I forgot to give you the message. Message number one. You can write this down. But God sees goodness in you. That's message number one. God sees goodness in you. Tap the person beside you and say, God sees goodness in you. Amen. So Moses was writing, there was a special baby that was born with this woman. And then I thought, it reminded me of this fashion designer by the name of Mark Jacobs. Are you familiar with Mark Jacobs? He's a U.S. designer. Have you ever seen the tag of Mark Jacobs? Whenever you buy a piece of clothing, this is what you will see. Can you see this? Jacobs by Mark Jacobs. For Mark by Mark Jacobs. In collaboration with Mark Jacobs for Mark by Mark Jacobs. In love, in love, sa pangalan niya. Iisang tao lang yan. Baka isipin niyo, isang pamilya yan. No, he's just one person. In love, na in love, believe, na believe sa sarili. So, was that what was happening in this passage? Walk with me, okay? I believe, what was the message of the author here? 
I think that whether or not it was Moses who actually wrote that passage, I think that that's not important anymore for us. Because what's important is as we're reading it and we're seeing special baby, I believe that the author is trying to tell us this. It's not boastfulness when you acknowledge that God is in you. That you are good because God is in you. Because it's not about you. It's about God. It's about the goodness that He has in you. Right? Question. When was the last time you actually celebrated the goodness of God in you? I'm not talking about looking at yourself in the mirror and then really appreciating how you look. You know, how, uh, that, 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 that likas papaya porcelain complexion that you have. Or, 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 or all that, that, that filter that you put on your photo. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about really just admiring who you are. But I'm talking about sitting down and thinking about in the middle of all your weaknesses and your failures and your imperfections, God sees goodness in me. Have you ever celebrated that? I think a lot of people forget. In fact, I believe that some people don't even know because some people have never really heard that, you know, they grew up in an environment where they were called names. Bobo, Tamad, Shunga, Puisit. And so we grow up with all these titles and labels in our life. And so nobody ever told you that you're good because God made you good. Or sometimes we forget because we're influenced by the world. Sometimes the people that we hang out with are bad influences and so we get influenced by that and we end up thinking, you know, we forget that there is goodness in us. But the moment you absorb and digest this message that, hey, there's actually goodness in you. Can you imagine the kind of potential that you can unlock every day when you know that God created you to be good in His own goodness, in His own image and likeness? You will go out into the world to be an unstoppable force of goodness. You agree with me? Clap your hands if you agree with me. It's time you know it, that there is goodness in you. And it's time you unleash it to the world. Tell your neighbor again one more time, God sees goodness in you. Tell the other person, the one that you haven't been talking to also, and so do I. I see goodness in you. Amen. Here's the second message. Message number two that we can pick from this is that you can trust God because He's consistent. Amen? You can trust God because He's consistent. Let's continue. It says here, message number two, but when she, pertaining to the mom, could hide the baby no longer, because you know the truth is, you cannot hide a good thing forever, right? You cannot hide a godly thing forever. You know what she did? She got a papyrus basket for him you can highlight that word basket. And then coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed a child in it and put it among the reeds. Highlight that word also, reeds. That's going to be important in a moment. Along the bank of the Nile. And then verse 4, the sister of this baby stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Okay, let's park ourselves there for a moment. I love this. I love this passage simply because, you know, how many of you love finding connections? Connections. I'm a man of connections. I love finding significant, significance left and right. And I, I, I live for that. And if you are somebody who loves finding connections, you're going to love this passage because it's so full of hyperlinks. Remember when we said last Sunday through Didoy, he said that uh, Exodus is just really a continuation of Genesis. That's why every book in the first five books, also all of them started with the word end. 
because it was just a, 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 an inter, intersecting story after story. So it was just complementing one another. Get this. I'll give you one hyperlink to the book of Genesis, okay? The first one. It said that when she could no longer hide him, when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket. Everybody say basket. In the original Hebrew language, it wasn't actually a basket. That wasn't the word. It wasn't a literal basket, but the word that was used was the same word, get this, that the author used when describing the ark that Noah rode. So you see that connection, Noah, Moses. So what was the author trying to say? To the readers back then, they were remembering, this is the same vehicle that was used to rescue Moses. Now the same vehicle is being used to rescue Moses. In fact, Bible scholars also believe that the same method was used by the mom of Moses and Noah to waterproof that same thing that they, they wrote on. That's the first hyperlink, but that's not all. Here, there's a second one. The second one happened. Can we put that verse again? I want to read it. When they said, they put the child, she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds. Everybody say reeds. When you read and backtrack the passages before this, you will not find the word reeds anywhere. You know where you're going to find it? 15 chapters later. When? The time when the Israelites would come across the Red Sea and God would use the Red Sea to rescue them. Now, what's the point of the author? I need you to listen to this, okay? This is so important. It got me so excited this week. First lesson. God rescued Noah where? In the past, right? You remember, God rescued Noah in the past. So I'm reading it. I remember that God rescued Noah in the past. And now I'm finding out that God is rescuing Moses now in the present. But that's not all. God will rescue the Israelites in the future. If there's anything that you can learn from this passage, it's this. You can trust God. Why? Because He's consistent. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Galing ni Lord. I don't have to be so afraid, Lord. Why? Because I know you rescued me in the past. And whatever problem I have right now, whatever struggles you're carrying in your life, my friend, I want you to know that God will rescue you in this present moment. And get this, that's not all. God will continue to rescue you. It's the process of transformation, sanctification. God saved me. God is saving me. God will continue to save me. That's so beautiful. Imagine the kind of trust. But you know the problem with us, my friends, is we forget. We have amnesia. Because sometimes our problem is different. Before, we had financial debt. That was the problem. But God rescued you from financial debt. Now my problem is health. And then you forgot that God rescued you from that financial debt. And then God rescued me from my health. Now your, your, your problem is brokenness. Relationship problems. You forgot that along the way, God has been blessing you. It's because we have trust issues. What is that thing that a company, when you apply to a company for a job, what is that thing that they ask from you? It's called, uh, it starts with the letter R. A resume. a resume, right? A resume is nothing more but a list of accomplishments that you've had, right? It's a list of the things that you've done, list of the accolades, the jobs that you've done. You know what? I have another word for a resume. I call it a track record track record. So if you have trouble trusting God, you know what you need to do? 
you need to take a look at his track record. Has God been faithful to you? Because if he's been faithful to you, why won't he be faithful to you now? Sometimes with the amnesia that you have, you forget, but then you remember David said something. King David said something when he was still a shepherd. He wasn't even king yet. David had been in some battles in his life. He fought with a bear and won. He fought with a lion and won. And now he's in, the, in front of this giant called Goliath. And you know what he said? He says, the same God that rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. What was David doing? He was remembering the track record of God. If you can come into any situation in your life and say, this is not my first battle. I've been here before and if God rescued me then, I believe He will do it again. If God rescued me before, I believe He can do it some more. Can I get an amen? It's because we forget. Can I show you something? My good friend Victor gave me this book just now when he was about to enter. Sabi niya, Brother Odi, maganda tong librong to. Read it. It's called Life is Messy. How many of you believe life is messy? Raise your hand. Life is messy, right? And I agree with the author of this book. But you know, one thing I realized about mess is this. My wife is a baker. She's a fantastic baker. She's a fantastic cook. And you know, whenever I see the kitchen messy, I love it. Why? Because it tells me that she's preparing something good for the family. Think about this with me for a moment. When you see the mess in your life, what if that mess is an indication that God is cooking up something good in the kitchen? Amen? Sometimes when we see the mess, we see it for what it truly is, but we don't see it for, through God's perspective that mess, messes are just miracles in the making. They're just miracles waiting to happen. So the next time you come upon messes in your life, my friend, believe that God is cooking something good for you. Because God's plan is amazing, right? Amen. Here's the third lesson. I hope you're learning something today. The third lesson is this. I forgot to say this, and this is a good line. In fact, you can quote me on this. This is still in the second point. I believe that we need to trust God because I believe that if you can trust God over anything, you really can triumph over everything. So learn how to trust God because He's a God of your yesterday, of your today, and tomorrow. You can take a picture of that very quickly. Message number three. With God, nothing is impossible. Can you say that with me? With conviction? One, two, three, go. With God. One more time, everybody. With God. Amen. Let's continue to read. It says, so here's what happens next, okay? Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river. This is after the, the, the basket of Moses was floating the ark. And her attendants walked along the riverbank. And when the princess saw the, the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby, and the little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. And she says, this must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess, and she says, should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? And she, 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 she says, and then the princess says, yes, please do. So the girl went out and called the baby's mother, and she says, take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, and she says, I, I will pay you for your help. 
So the woman, you can highlight this part. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Walk with me for a moment. The princess was minding her own business. You probably remember this image in the Ten Commandments if you saw that. She, she, was, she was minding her own business and then all of a sudden she sees this basket flowing towards her and then she was wondering what it was. When she opened it, it was a baby and the baby was crying and, and she says it must be one of the Hebrew babies. But she, you know what she did? She says, let's take care of him. So she nursed him. Everybody say nursed him. In other words, she took care of that baby until that baby grew, grew up. And you know the, the rest of the, the story, Moses grows up as a royalty in, in, in Egypt, Right? But what, the reason why I love this passage so much and I hope that you will receive this the way that I did this week is because of this. It had been a long time since the Israelites experienced prosperity in their land. Because remember that the new Pharaoh replaced the old Pharaoh and now he was a very insecure Pharaoh. And he was demanding you know, a lot of things from them. They were suffering under the leadership of this Pharaoh. And it, it had been a long time since they saw Joseph one of their own, rise up into the ranks. So you could say that they hadn't experienced a miracle for so long. And sometimes it happens like that in your life where you feel like the, the last miracle that you experienced was many years ago, decades, and God is not doing something in your life. But I want you to know this, that just when they thought that God was done doing miracles, God does something. God started orchestrating. And what, what I want you to know is that just because you don't see something moving, it doesn't mean that God is not working in your life. Sometimes God, sometimes God is already orchestrating it, but because you don't see it, you don't see how He works in the background. But I'm going to show you something. Remember how God used Joseph to save Egypt from famine, from hunger? He turned this lowly slave from being a prisoner to a governor? Only God can do that. That was a miracle. But now the Israelites, they didn't know that. They needed a fresh miracle. So what was happening here? The Pharaoh told his soldiers, throw every Hebrew child into the Nile River. Why? Because he didn't want any Hebrew leader rising up from the ranks. He wanted to destroy the Israelites. But you see, in that moment, that very same moment, what the enemy was using for the harm of the Israelites... God was about to use for the good. How? Drown every baby in the river. A baby comes floating to Egypt. And in the process, that very same baby that the Pharaoh is afraid of, Egypt would take care of that baby to protect and nurture and grow up. What am I trying to say? Ask me what, Brother Audie? What am I trying to say? I get carried away from the message sometimes. It's simple. Sometimes God will even use the enemy's resources to provide for you. God is so amazing. Sometimes God will use the very things that the enemy meant to, to, to destroy you in order to deliver you. Grabe si Lord. Again, the mess in your life, it's, it's a miracle in the making. So you can trust God because He's consistent. And with God, nothing is impossible. And there is goodness in you. Those are the three messages. Here's the last message, message number four. Is this blessing you in any way? 
We're going to go for a full circle on message number four. We got time. Message number four, embrace who you are. Can you say that with me? Embrace who you are. It says that later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. There you go. And the princess named him Moses. Underline that part. Highlight it. For she explained, I lifted him out of the water. In the NIV version, this is the NLT version. In the NIV version, it says, I drew him out of the water. So you see, my friends, this is the first time if you were a reader of this book, and you're reading it for the first time, this is the first time that they're coming to know the hero of the story. Moses niya. For us, it's not a problem because we already know that his name is Moses. But it's the first time that they hear the word Moses. And if you're a Hebrew, the name Moses simply means to lift out, to draw out. So if you think about that, imagine it was already a prophecy that one day this guy would lift out an entire nation from oppression. So you could say this, that since time immemorial, the day that he was born, his calling was already attached to his identity, right? His name already said, you're going to lift, lift out people from bondage. That's why my question for you right now is this. Do you know the significance of your name? If you don't, please research your name. Because who knows? Maybe God might be already having a prophetic calling on you based on your name, based on your identity. But here's the problem, okay? There's an issue. The issue is that Moses had an identity crisis. Why? He was born a Hebrew, and then he was adopted in Egyptian royalty. So one day, he would need to make a very crucial decision. Let's go into uh, verse 11. It says that one day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his people, the Hebrews, and saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his kinsfolk, and then he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, you know what he did? He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. You know, Moses had to make a decision. Who am I going to be? Am I going to be a, a, a Hebrew or am I going to be an Egyptian? In that moment, here's my belief, just my personal conviction, that Moses made a decision right then and there. By killing that Egyptian, you know what he was killing? He was also killing the identity that he was royalty. He was choosing to be Hebrew. But something happened. What happened? When he went out the next day, he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he said to the one who was in the wrong, why do you strike your fellow Hebrew? And then he answered, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. He chose to be a Hebrew. And what did the Hebrews do? They rejected him. Has that ever happened to you in your life? You chose to do the right thing and then your friends burned you for it and then they rejected you for it and then they doubted you for it? What do you need to do? Let's learn. If that happens to you, you finally choose to become this good person. You recognize the goodness of God in you but then people doubt you for it. Here's what happens next to Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh. He settled in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. I remember another story of a man who sat down by the well many, many years after this. And it says, 
the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their, their, to water their father's flock. But some shepherds came and drove them away. And Moses got up and came to their defense and watered their flock. When they returned to their father, Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come back so soon today? The father asks. And they said, ah, An Egyptian helped us. Underline that word, Egyptian. He helped us, this Egyptian, against the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Where is he? Why did you leave the man? Invite him to break bread. And then this man named Moses agreed to stay with the man and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah in marriage and she bore a son and he named him Gershom. For he said, underline this part, I have been an alien residing in a foreign land. Okay, let's, let's study this for a moment. It's a picture of Moses. And you know that Moses, he, he has an identity crisis. He's Hebrew, but, but he's also Egyptian. So, so, so which am I? Am I Hebrew? Am I, am I Egyptian? Some, some of us, we, we, we struggle in that thought sometimes. And the reason why we know that Moses was struggling is because he doesn't even identify himself to the people. The seven daughters, you know what they called him? They called him an Egyptian, not even by his name. And then to prove my point, what was the name of his son? Gershom. What is the, what is the meaning of Gershom? I am an alien in a foreign land. So you could see the struggle of Moses. Who am I really, Lord? Am I this person or am I this person? You know, I have a friend who many years ago, she gave me good news that she's now, she was now a Canadian citizen. She got her papers. And so praise God, a lot of people, they, like, they, they love migrating for, for, for a better future, better hope for the family. And my friend was so excited, but she had a problem. She said, brother, I don't know if I'm supposed to celebrate or not, but my issue is this. I am Filipino by blood, but now I'm Canadian by heart. I love Canada. And she says, what do I do? And I want to share with you my answer of what I told her because I believe that we go through the same issue sometimes. That's why some people, we, we, we think that we only need to stay loyal to the people that we're close to. That's why there are people who are only loyal to the company that they work for. Nothing wrong with that, but sometimes you, you forget that there are other people who you need to help as well. Sometimes there are, only, there are people who are only loyal to the people of the same last name because we think that we need to just stay loyal to the people that we're connected to. But then I tell my friend, you know what? I believe that your nationality is really just a formality because what's more important than your nationality, it's really your humanity. It's, it's, it's really, you're Canadian now on paper, but you're Filipino by blood. But get this, at the end of the day, you're a child of God. So be loyal to God. Sometimes we're only loyal to our political preferences, to the people that we love the most. So the other people, we cancel them. And Moses was like that. He was choosing, should I be Hebrew? Should I be Egyptian? But then one moment, can I ask you to stand up? I, 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 I'm going to close with this last passage. It's not even in, in our radar yet because this is, we're studying Exodus 2. 
I want to take you to Exodus 3, just a small glimpse, because I'm sure that our next preacher for next Sunday will preach on this. But I want, to, I want to show you something that really ministered to me. So Moses now, we know that he's struggling with his, with his identity. He's, a, he's, a, he's choosing, but he's running away. I mean, he fleed from Egypt. He fleed from his people. And it seems like he is still in a land where he's not happy with who he is. Until one moment in, in, in chapter 3, verse 11, where Moses has an encounter with the Lord. And most of you probably will know this from watching the Ten Commandments. You know my struggle when I was studying this? I knew the Ten Commandments by heart. And so when I was reading the verses, I'm like, this is a different version of what I saw in the movie. There were so many struggles that Moses went through that the movie did not show us. That's why it's so good to read the Bible. And so now Moses is about to encounter, I pray that you receive this with fresh new eyes. Moses is about to encounter God through the burning bush. How many of you know this story? Raise your hand. The burning bush moment where he would encounter the living God. And God would tell Moses that he would entrust him to lead the people out of Egypt. But then in verse 11, it says, Moses protested to God. And then he asks, who am I? Highlight that part, please. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And then he says it the second time. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And then God answers in a way that encourages Moses. But Moses is not done. Moses says, he keeps protesting. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, then the God of, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will surely ask me, what is his name? And then Moses asks, what should I tell them? Insecurity, Moses, diba? He, he's somebody who will lead an entire nation, a leader, and yet he's not sure of himself. Can I share a personal story with you? Confession, is it okay? I've had about six official ex-girlfriends. Official, six. I'm not bragging or anything. I'm just being honest, okay? And I never overlapped, mind you. I never overlapped. There was never that time that I... You know, there was always one ready when it ended. Yeah, but, you know, I never overlapped. But until, you know, I realized something when my friend, a very good friend, and this is how you know when it's a good friend, good friends and, and really great friends will tell you the truth in front of your face and not be scared of hurting you because that's love to them. And so my friend comes up to me and said, you know, pare, may napapansin ako sa'yo. In every relationship that you've had, I've noticed this, that, Iba-iba yung identity mo. Go, what do you mean? Well, you've had this ex-girlfriend who loved partying, and so you were a party person, party-goer. And then you had an ex-girlfriend who loved fashion shows, and then all of a sudden you started attending fashion shows. I mean, do I look like I'm the kind of guy who would attend fashion shows? And nothing against people who attend fashion shows. It's just not me. And then you were, there, was this, there was this girlfriend who loved, loved, you know, going out on vacations. And then all of a sudden, you started traveling all over. And then there was this ex-girlfriend who loved drugs. And then you started taking drugs. And it's like, what about identity? It hit me. I, I tried to fit who I was with the person that I was with. And I realized I didn't really know who I was. I became so many 
different versions and different layers of who I was until I had an encounter with the Lord at the age of 25, and He completely revealed to me who I was, and I completely embra- started embracing who I am in God's eyes. And you know what happened? God sent me somebody who will love me for who I am. My ex, my last ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and I never had to change who I was in her. This is who I am. Love me for who I am. You know how this passage ended? Moses protests to God again and again. Lord, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel? What should I tell them when they ask, what is his name? And then God replies, one, two, three, four, five. In five words, God says, Lord, what shall I tell them who you are? He says, I am who I am. If you're suffering from an identity crisis, not knowing who you really are in God's eyes, when you go to a world that's so broken and ask, who am I in your eyes? When you ask your parent, when you ask your friend, when you ask your best friend, who am I? And then they give you this label. They call you names. They call you titles that, that might not be who you are. When you go to a world that's broken, you know what you'll end up with? A broken identity. But instead of going to the world for your identity, why don't you go to the one who is sure of who he is? I am who I am. <laughs> There's no doubt who he is. When you've got doubts, go to the one who is certain about who he is. And I remember there was a man who also had a double identity. His name is Jesus. I mean, Jesus had a dual identity. He was God and he was man. He had powers and yet he felt pain. He was human and he was divine. But you know what? Jesus never had an identity crisis. Why? I'm so glad that God gave us Jesus. Are you glad that God gave us Jesus? Because what God could not teach us with with all of these things that the people were learning then, He showed us through the life of Jesus. Because what Jesus did is is an example of what we need to do, that if we're broken in our identity, if we don't really know who we are, we do what Jesus did. He went to the Father again and again. Because in the eyes of the Father... That's how Jesus got his identity. He didn't get it from the world. He got it from the Lord. He got it from the Father. When you come before the Father, you get who you are in his eyes. And God said it in his own words. The only way to me is through my son, Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way through the Father. So go through Jesus. And Jesus will accept you for who you are. Because he knows He was like you. He knows the pain that you've been through. He knows the confusion that you're going through. He knows the baggages that you're carrying right now. So go to the one who understands who you are, who embraces you for who you are, who embraces your past even if it's dirty, who embraces your present even if it's messy, who will embrace you in the future because he knows it's glorious. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. 
And you know the beautiful blessing when we go to Jesus, when we go to the Father through Jesus? Because God is good. You know what happens? You imbibe that goodness again. You remember that goodness. So you become good. So go to the Father. He's a good Father. And in turn, the good Father will help you, will remind you and encourage you that you are good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Yes, you're good. You might have forgotten it, but you're good. You're good. God made you in His own image and likeness. You're good. You're good. Don't ever let what deep people tell you behind your back or in your face that you're not worthy of God's love. You are. You're good. You're good. You're good. Could you preach this to somebody beside you and say, You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. We're all good. And in the presence of our good, good Father right now, can I ask you to lift up your hands? Come on, every single person who received this message today. Father, we thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, we thank you that your presence is here. And we love you for accepting and embracing who we are in your eyes. In spite of our faults, in spite of our sin, in spite of our shame, in spite of the things that we are still going to do to sin against you, we thank you that you love us for who we are. But we don't allow this love to just remain there. We welcome it so that it can change us. So that we move from glory to glory, from grace to grace, from strength to strength. We don't want to remain who we are as a broken person, but we want to be changed by you. And so we come before you, Jesus. Thank you for accepting who we are. And we just declare that you are good. And because you are good, we're also good. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Let's worship Him right now, everybody. Expose your heart to the Lord. Be vulnerable right now in His presence. And let God love you for who you are. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.